This podcast is part of the C-Suite Radio Network, turning the volume up on business. Welcome to the Business Power Hour, hosted by Deb Creer. Join us as Deb talks with her guests, experts in their fields, as they share real-life stories and techniques to power up your business. Good morning, good morning. I am Deb Creer, and I am passionate about giving professionals the tools that they need to make themselves and their businesses as successful as possible. And I cannot tell you how excited I am today for my guest. I'm always excited for my guests. You know, people say, hey, you say that every time. But it is. It's true. I love all my guests. But today is a repeat guest. I love having my guests on more than once. And it's because they have so much great information to share that we simply can't get it all squunched into one hour, so we have to have them back. So please welcome back to our program, Kara Martin-Snyder. Welcome, Kara. Deb, thank you for having me. It's, so, it's such a pleasure to return. I know. We're having so much fun. And you know, what, what we'll tell our listeners and you is that you and I have been chatting for 30 minutes before we ever even hit the record button. We were I just know. having so much fun. <laughs> could just talk forever and ever. Well, anyhow, the last time I had you on was way back in December of 2017. And so we need to hear about what you're talking about and all these various things and catch up on these things. But before we do, let me tell people who haven't listened to you since December of 2017 a little bit about you. So Kara Martin-Snyder is the owner, strategist over at Vital Core a health and lifestyle studio located at the three-way intersection of functional health, self-care, and strategic action. Kara's not your run-of-the-mill wellness coach, though. Sure, she's got the classroom and professional credentials that many health coaches have, but she's also got an arsenal of badassery, stemming from her experience in the boardroom, kitchen, and personal experience with the effects of chronic stress namely irritable bowel syndrome. Serving frazzled type A women since 2009, Kara deconstructs the broken processes in her clients' lives, investigates why they might feel not so great, and co-creates actionable steps toward a healthier life, a life spiked with passion and slathered with joy. Additionally, she's the host of Le Vital Core Salon podcast and the creator of 33K Task List Project. Her work has been featured in Prevention, The Wall Street Journal, and Fortune Magazine, among others. So again, Kara, welcome back. Thank you. Boy, when I hear that introduction, I blush a little. I hope your listeners can't hear like my cheeks turning red. <laughs> you know, part of this, though, is we need to write our own intros so that we preen and we're proud of our accomplishments. And, and it's really funny because, you know, now here I'm going to stereotype. I'm putting on my stereotype hat. Men do it all the time. They are perfectly fine with brag, 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 brag. And women are like, well, I do yes. this. And we shouldn't be right? You know, we need to toot our own horns and tell people just how absolutely fantastic we are. I was laughing. This reminds me of a story. I was on a panel at my alma mater, UMass, mm -hmm. and it was a women in business event for their business school. And of course, as a panelist, you get to go to all the keynotes and things like that. Mm -hmm. And I literally am blanking on the woman's name, but she told a story about early on in her career, how she was afraid to apply for a job unless she was literally 110% qualified for it. Mm -hmm. And someone finally sat her down and said, you know, if you were a man and the job was for chief breastfeeding officer, he would still apply. Right. Because he'd figure <laughs> I can outsource things. Exactly. Right. You know, and I actually, when, when I'm doing career training with folks, that's one of the things I tell them is, you know, a man will look at the job description and, and it may say, must be able to do these 10 things. And he'll go, okay, I can do three of them. Two probably don't even matter. And the other five, I'll make somebody else do. And a, and a woman goes, well, I can do nine and a half, so I can't apply. Exactly. And I was like, no, 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 no. <laughs> exactly. But that's part of why we as women are frazzled. You know, we, we hold ourselves 
maybe it's to this higher standard. Um, you know, and, 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 you know, we're not knocking men, you know, men, we love men, you know, all the, but, but we do look at work differently. You know, a, a guy is like, okay, I really can get help. I can have someone else do it for me, all these various things. And that's perfectly fine. There's absolutely nothing wrong with it. But women, and especially executive women, really do think we have to do it all. You know, we have to, you know, in, in business, we have to do it all. We, then we have to come home and we have to, to, you know, make everything in our house perfect. We have to have the perfect 2.5 kids, you know, the, the 3.2 dogs, you know, all these various things. And we get so frazzled that then we have those things called burnout or we have, you know, physical ailments that, that happen to us. A hundred percent. Yes. I mean, this is what I've seen working with women since 2009. Mm -hmm. And I mean, my background was coming from trouble debt restructuring and bankruptcy. That was my formative career coming mm -hmm. out of school. And I just saw the pace that I was moving and I saw how the wheels were starting to come off my own bus mm -hmm. and just what chronic stress was doing to me, even in my 20s. Mm -hmm. And then I looked around and one, I didn't see all that many women in front of me. Mm -hmm. And then the men that I saw, it was prematurely gray, overweight, like no one around me looked healthy, mm -hmm. really. I mean, there were the occasional exceptions, the people who were really good at compartmentalizing work and, right. and saying no, mm -hmm. but a lot of them were at the upper levels. So it was sort of like I was looking at, wow, so I'm just going to burn out and be miserable too if mm -hmm. I stay on this path. That was kind of what forced me to make the transition. One, I needed to get myself healthy again. Mm -hmm. And then since 2009, I've been working with people who still have a foot in that world, mm -hmm. right? Like a lot of my clients, because of that background, are lawyers, right. are women in STEM, are women in business, are doctors. So they're professional women that really are focused on achievement. And sometimes they get so focused on that that they don't notice what's going on in their own body until mm -hmm. the symptoms become incredibly painful, if not debilitating, mm -hmm. and making it almost impossible for them to keep up with the quality of work product that they want to be putting out. Right. You know, and, and you and I were chatting about this at, you know, before we even started the program. Men can ask for help. They ask for help. They delegate. They, they you know, all these various things, and they have absolutely no problem with it. And as I said, a woman, you know, they're like, we have to do it all. We have to do it all absolutely perfect. And we absolutely, positively cannot say, I need help. And, and that's where a lot of people you work with are, you know, in, in that place of finally saying, oh my gosh, Kara, I can't go on any further doing this. And, and they finally have come to the realization that if they want to continue with life, they have to say, I need help. So what is it that you think makes women so resistant to saying, oh my gosh, I need somebody to, to help me with this? Wow, huge question. Um, I think culturally, we as women are socialized to be the ones caregiving for a lot of other people, mm -hmm. right? We're, we're taking care of the ones in front of us, the elderly mm -hmm. and, and age independents, and we're taking care of if we have children, children, mm -hmm. we're often taking care of our partners and spouses. Mm -hmm. And we think about the tribe around us. We think mm -hmm. about like, are my friends okay? Are my coworkers right. we okay? Volunteer. Are my clients mm -hmm. okay? And, and step up and stretch ourselves really thin. I think women are culturally hardwired for that. Mm -hmm. I also think we're not used to receiving support. Mm -hmm. Right. I mean, you look at the social structures that countries like Denmark and Sweden and places like that, you know, even France, Germany. I mean, a lot of those countries have institutions like daycare mm -hmm. and things like that that can support women that we just don't have that structure here. Right. right. Yeah. The, the companies, for example, that are, are European companies that just have daycare built in as something that they provide. You know, it's it's funny because here in the United States, it's a really big deal if somebody has something like that. Absolutely. 
Absolutely. So I think it sets us up to to feel like it's difficult to ask Mm -hmm. because we should be concerned about the welfare of everyone around us. Mm -hmm. And then also not used to receiving. And what I found in my work, and I am dealing with executive level women. Mm -hmm. I only work with women typically, sorry, men. Well, like I said, you know, they they know better how to ask for help. Now, that's not to say that they don't need help on occasion, the type of help like you offer. But yeah, you you focus on women. I would disagree to some regard. I think in a lot of the conversations I've had with people. So let me let me back up. When I was in trouble debt restructuring and Mm -hmm. bankruptcy, there was a part of my work where I had to negotiate with the bank syndicate. And on Mm -hmm. one client, which I was on for many, many months, every day at three o'clock, I had to sit on the phone with all of the male bankers Mm -hmm. spread out across the country that had a stake in us because I usually represented a debtor client Mm -hmm. and negotiate the absolute payments that needed to go out to keep something catastrophic from happening. Mm -hmm. And, you know, sometimes that was payroll and because we needed employees to be hanging Mm -hmm. on despite the turbulent circumstances. Mm -hmm. And that could be something as $150 payment for wood chips to keep a plant open that is literally parked on a river in Northern New Hampshire. Mm -hmm. So the pipes didn't freeze and we didn't pollute an entire river. Right. So that was the like the realm of things that I had to sort of argue about every day. Mm-hmm. And I was not a good negotiator. In fact, I was probably a little bit of a people pleaser. Like I was that A student who mm-hmm. wanted right. to do a good job and get mm-hmm. the gold star and maybe mm-hmm. like overachieve when we possible. sat in the front row, right? We sat in the front row. And that was a baptism of fire. And I think I thought all women had an experience like that in their mm-hmm. career. What I found in the private conversations I've been having for years, not all women got those tools or a similar experience. And so some are asking or have the desire to ask. And often what was happening, you know, as I was looking at different scenarios with my clients, right? Like some come to me because food's just an absolute wreck. Mm -hmm. Or there's just no self-care whatsoever and Mm -hmm. they don't know how to prioritize or strategize like how to fit in that, how to fit that in, in a realistic and doable way. Mm -hmm. And what I found was they wanted to ask for help, but didn't often know how to get the ball rolling. Right. Or they knew like, okay, what if I ask for help and the other person says no? Like, Mm -hmm. what do I do in that situation? Mm -hmm. Right. And there was so much fear around, like, how the conversation might go Mm -hmm. that sometimes it would take people many months to have a conversation like, so I had a client who the daycare drop-off for their children was roughly the same time they had to be at work, provided, Mm -hmm. like, every traffic light was green, there was nothing un unexpected in Mm -hmm. route to work. Right. And so they were getting to work really frazzled every day. Mm -hmm. And obviously from the outside looking in, it was very easy for me to say, have you talked to your employer Mm -hmm. about just changing your hours? Can I come in 15 minutes later? Yeah. 15, Mm -hmm. 30 minutes. Like Mm -hmm. what would that do to your day? Mm -hmm. Like instead of showing up, like feeling like, oh crap, Mm -hmm. (laughs) here I am. Mm -hmm. And it's already, the day's already on fire. Mm -hmm. What would that do to your creativity? What would that do to your sense of innovation? What would Mm -hmm. that do to your ability to problem solve? And I mean, we were on Skype and she kind of looked at me and blinked and was like, I don't, that's not the policy at our office. Yeah, I I can't do that. Right? Like, so, Mm -hmm. So even women in positions of power, there was still, when just having a private conversation with me, this innate sense of well, I need to follow the rules Mm -hmm. because that's what the tribe does. Right. So it's been really surprising to me in the the journey that is this work to see those kinds of things from women that I would just be expecting, you know, are are kicking butt and taking names. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Right. And I think it's, you're right. We we don't know what to do. We think, well, what if they say no? You know, and, and my philosophy now, I mean, and, and my philosophy has changed since being so ill. 
you know, that, that is part of it. You know, there, I, I now reprioritize things and, and I tell people, you know, the least they can tell you is no, you know, but they can't (laughs) tell you yes, if you don't ask them. And if they tell you no, well then have a backup plan, you know, for whatever it is. Um, you know, but, but before I was very ill and kind of forced to have this different mindset, same way. I mean, it was like, oh, I can't ask them that. I don't want them to think that I'm special. Or again, I don't want them to think I can't do my job. Yes. And I, yeah. And, and a guy, you know, this really isn't a guy bashing program, but, you know, a gentleman wouldn't have any problem with saying, dude, I need to come in 30 minutes later, but I'll stay 30 minutes later. So don't worry about it. And everybody's like, okay, fine. And we're like, can I have five minutes? <laughs> well, and, and even just the energy in your mm-hmm. voice doing that simulation, right. I mm-hmm. think is, is really speaks a lot to how sometimes women approach it. And not right. all women. Mm-hmm. I think women overall are asking more. Right. We're asking more mm-hmm. of our partners. We're asking more of our employers. Mm-hmm. I think the millennial generation is doing some, some really right. big trailblazing that mm-hmm. I think we should be more open to learning from sometimes. Mm -hmm. I feel like, I don't know, I'm 41. I feel like there's a lot of sometimes like, oh, millennials, I roll. Right. Oh, yeah. (laughs) They don't take responsibility. I love working with millennials. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I I think they are asking for things that may take 20 years for some of the women in my generation to have the courage to ask mm-hmm. for or feel like they're in a, a stable position of power enough to make that ask to, mm-hmm. hey, I'd like to, to work some different hours mm-hmm. here. Right. Well, and speaking of the ask, one of the other things that, that really happens a lot with women, and, and I am definitely guilty of this one, is we don't know how to say no. Oh. You know, and, and again, <laughs> it's, you know, they might think less of us you know, we're that caregiver. So, oh my gosh, we're going to let somebody down. Um, you know, and, and I know that's one of the things you work with people. And, and you know, I, I laugh, you know, I tell people, you know, there's only 28 hours in our day and eight days a week. And, <laughs> and you know, and, but we feel like that, right? And, and so if somebody comes to us, even with something simple, we feel like we can't say no to them. And, you know, and, and that's a very difficult thing to do is to, to learn how to do that but do it in a way, I think, and I'm, maybe that's the thing, is we, we need to learn how to do it in a way so it's just like, no. Uh, now, granted, there are some times, especially like my husband comes and says, I need to, no, no, not going there. Um, but, you know, we feel like we can't say no. Absolutely. It's funny. This is a talk that I give a lot, and it's called How to Say No Without Guilt Games or Drama. Because mm-hmm. I feel like this is something that comes up in a lot of these conversations where people want to say no. And then there's this rumination. Like for example, I spoke at a conference for all air traffic controllers. Mm -hmm. Talk about being with my frazzled type A peeps. It was all female air traffic controllers and they brought me in to talk about this. Mm -hmm. And I had prepared a talk and it was a smaller like breakout. So it was a a more manageable size room. Mm -hmm. And after a few minutes, I saw like a couple questions kind of coming in. And I finally just sort of put the slides away and said, do we need to really just talk about how to say no? Mm -hmm. Because, you know, the talk was going to be more around like how to fit self-care in around everything they've got going on. And Mm -hmm. they work the most bananas shift schedule I and have stressful. Ever oh seen. my gosh. Mm-hmm. And and stressful and also where they have to be incredibly hyper focused mm-hmm. for extended blocks of time. Right. So their brains work so differently mm-hmm. than a lot of people that I, I usually work with. And finally I just kind of like threw up my hands because I could see like some of the questions that were already starting to form. And I was like, do we just need to talk about how to say no? Mm-hmm. Like is that just the single piece of self-care that we really need to focus on today? And so kind of had everyone like turn their chairs in and kind of made it like a little bit more of like a makeshift round table. Mm-hmm. And I remember one example, which your question triggered me, was this woman was describing getting this request by email that was just 
something she did not want to do, but it was from someone that was important in her life and, and wanted to maintain their respect. And so she was like, I know I should say no, but I'm, I, I just, I can't, I feel like mm-hmm. it will be easier for me to do it. And so jokingly, I said, how many times have you read that email since you got it last week? And she just sat there quiet, like thinking for a second and literally said, I've probably read it 50 times. Oh my gosh. And I said, okay, you work a lot. You have a personal life. You have a partner. Like you have a lot going on. You have read this like three paragraph email at least 50 times. Mm -hmm. How much time have you spent then ruminating on said email? Mm -hmm. And she looked and like got really red. And she was, she was quite fair and had red hair. So, Mm -hmm. I mean, she got red. Oh dear. Mm -hmm. And said, I have probably spent easily eight or 10 hours. Right. Way too much. And, you know, and then like other people like around her were sort of clapping and being really supportive. They're like, Mm -hmm. I've done that too. Mm But really, we don't often look at the sum total of that energy. We are just hemorrhaging Mm -hmm. that is pulling away our focus. It is pulling away our energy. It is diverting it from things that could be happening even when we sleep at night Mm -hmm. instead of sleeping. Like that's Mm -hmm. when our body resets, our brain resets. And yet there we are like just churning and in place. We're just Mm -hmm. stuck in the mud. Right. Well, and reading way more into it than they ever meant for it to be, right? And that's the things that happen like at midnight. You're going, okay, well, he said, I bet what he meant was, I'm not doing my job right. And the first person who you're gets a laid failure. off. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and, and, and he's not like, yeah, if, if you asked him that, he'd, he'd look at you and go, what? No. <laughs> Yeah, we we do. We get so focused on those negative things and going over and over. And and again, just not wanting to say no or you know, or 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 you know, hedging a bit, right? There's the hedging, there's the not now or you know, all those various things, but we do it is so hard to say no. Absolutely. So I mean, we have to think about where we can make it easier and I feel like it has really surprised me because I thought when I became a, a health and lifestyle strategist that I was just going to be talking about vegetables and how to set up your habits to get you to work out mm-hmm, when right. you want to. Mm-hmm. I mean, I really thought it was going to be about that. And then because of my experience and, and personal history with chronic stress mm-hmm. in a professional environment and IBS, of course, I thought I was going to be talking about the gut and and poop. Mm-hmm, right. Mm-hmm. And what I've been so surprised about is how much I spend time practicing how to communicate with other people, mm-hmm. whether it be something you have to negotiate at work. Mm-hmm. Like I've been surprised by how many of my clients are like, okay, okay, I'm eating my vegetables now, but can we talk about this situation that happened right. with my boss mm-hmm. where they totally called me out in front of a large group of people mm-hmm. and you know things went kind of haywire and I didn't know how to get out of it so can we use the session for that today mm-hmm. and I've been so shocked at how much we are not learning to communicate mm-hmm. and I, I think this is probably across both genders but I think women's roles have been changing, like where, what we're taking on. And I, I don't know that all workplaces have caught up, Mm -hmm. right? So there's one, how can we just do a better job communicating period? Mm -hmm. And then how can we do a better job communicating in a sometimes gendered workplace? Mm -hmm. Right. And, and it is tricky because we don't want to come across as the whiner, the crier, the, or worse, the yeah, abrasive. The, yeah, or the B word. You know, yeah. oh, heavens, heavens. You know, and and one of the tricky things is, you know, I, I kind of you know sarcastically said crier. That is one of the things. You know, and it, it is it is a problem with women where we 
you know, you get so emotional that you tear up. And when I was in corporate America, that was the thing I dreaded the most was that I would get either so angry or, you know, or whatever. And, and the rage cry, right. right, You know, and, you know, and it just, it drove me. And so then I'd avoid having anything to do with those type of conversations because I didn't want to cry. And, you know, and because it makes you look weak. Well, that was my philosophy. It, that's not true. I mean, it just means we carry our emotions differently. But you know, you really can't be having a discussion with the CEO or your best vendor or a client or whoever and start snuffling at them. <laughs> and so that, that was one of the things that was so hard for me was to not cry in front of people. Well, and it, you know, this is where I have to say, like, is this something that as more women are moving up in the ranks that we have to consider? And, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm not an advocate for any men listening that are thinking, oh, no, we're going to have all these women like just detonating into tears at Mm -hmm. the office. Mm -hmm. I'm not advocating that we shouldn't be in in emotional control of ourselves, Mm -hmm. but also to your point, like women are experiencing their emotions different and how Mm -hmm. that may come out is different. Right. Men have likely being in their position of power decided that that's not how business gets done. Right. How does that change as women fill more of the seats at the Mm -hmm. table? Mm -hmm. And you see men getting emotional, you know, they, they pound their fist on the desk or through a wall or they throw things or whatever. Or they throw things. Yes. You know, and, and so it's, and, and maybe part of that is, like you said, it's communication skills. It's knowing how to, you know, somebody is raising their voice you keep your voice lower because it's, it really is hard for them to yell if you're just communicating with them in, in you know, a, a civil tone, as my mother would say, um, you know, or, you know, all these various things that we never really learned how to do. I mean, you know, that's not things we were taught in our college classes or, or whatever, but, you know, we just kind of have, have muddled through them. Yeah, Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, I think for some people, being more assertive in their language and and taking ownership of that sometimes feels really therapeutic, Mm -hmm. right? Right. But there is real power when Mm -hmm. you say, you know, if you have a boss who's leaning over your desk screaming at you, which I've experienced that Mm -hmm. firsthand, Mm -hmm. um, I don't remember how it went down because I feel like I was a little traumatized. I was like, are are you kidding? My male mm-hmm. boss, and I'm four foot 11. Mm-hmm. So I'm right. like four foot 11 sitting mm-hmm. behind this desk and I have a boss leaning over literally three inches from my face where his like spittle is getting on me. Mm-hmm. And I mean, at that point I was sort of traumatized. Like, is this really happening? Mm-hmm. So I don't even remember how I got out of it. But I think in those moments, if we are thinking about how we communicate on a day-to-day basis, we can be ready to take on moments like that mm-hmm. and really be able to say, I need you to stop. Right. I feel like when you yell three inches from my face, I feel threatened. Mm-hmm. And, and it's, it's really hard to dispute that language. Right. And you're not saying, in essence, I'm weak. It's just take a step back. Um, you know, and, and it's funny, I had a boss that was like that too. And he was, not only was he just an obnoxious man, he was a large man too. I mean, he was, he was well over 300 pounds and he would yell and he would throw things. And, and I remember, you know, and his big thing was he would, he was into name calling. Now this was long enough ago that, you know, HR departments didn't even really exist. And, and, and this was a small enough company that we didn't have an HR department. But I remember he got mad at me for something. I don't know, who, whatever it was. And he called me the B word. And I just Ooh. stopped the conversation. And he realized, uh-oh. And I looked at him and I said, that's one. And, and I mean, and it, it took him aback. He was like, what do you mean? I said, you get to use that word once. The se- and I kept my voice very low. I mean, he had to lean in to hear me. And it was because I was actually shaking. And, and I said, you use it again. I go to an attorney and I own your company. And I tell you what, that man never, you know, it was, and, and I was, you know, I was this tiny little thing and, and, um, and I don't know, I mean, I walked out of there and I think I probably did run into the bathroom and burst into tears, but, you know, it really was one of those things where, but the, the big thing was I kept my voice low. 
I didn't respond to it by calling him a name bagger, but you can't call me that word. You know, I just, I looked at him and I said, uh uh-uh, not going to happen. Um, and it's funny because we do get treated poorly by people, but either on purpose or, you know, they, that's just the way they are. And, and I've had this discussion with a friend of mine here in Atlanta. I have a new word. It's whatever. <laughs> and, and I have, you know, it's, and, and again, part of this has come from being ill and, you know, and, and thinking it doesn't matter. You know, whatever that person is doing really doesn't matter. And so it's just, okay, whatever. And I've actually been known to to say that to them. Um, I said it to somebody. I was, I volunteered for a, a project earlier this year and this person just, she was, she was in charge and really stressed. Um, and I said something that set her off and in front of a bunch of people, she took me to task and I looked at her and I said, whatever, because I didn't care. I mean, you know, it was like, okay, yeah, really, whatever, and, you know, and, and she came up to me later and apologized, um, but, and, and I told her, I said, you know, I know you were stressed, but yeah, you don't talk to me like that, um, and, uh, you know, and, and so sometimes we do have to do that mental whatever, you know, because it, when we think it through and think in the grand scheme of things, how important is this? If it's not really all that important, well, fine, whatever. Yeah, I think just the the conscious step of slowing down and hitting pause, Mm -hmm. right? So like the women that I'm working with are reaching out because they have achieved burnout. Mm -hmm. And I think, I forget the exact statistic, but I had looked at like, how do my private clients come to me? Mm -hmm. And many of them came through hearing me on a podcast like this Mm -hmm. or met me at a speaking event or saw me on a panel, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And I remember trying to like get a sense of like, is, is it they're coming to me like a year later or two years later? And when I looked at traced back, like when I had met them to when they reached out mm-hmm. for most women, it was between three to five years later. Wow. So that means they were at a talk about usually about some form of self-care mm-hmm. and maybe it's self-care by saying no, maybe it's more in the functional nutrition, Mm -hmm. exercise, sleep, time management sort of pieces that I also Mm -hmm. talk about. And it it blows my mind, right? So like women are coming to me because they're really burnt out Mm -hmm. and they're really resisting asking for help because they are overachievers. They're type A. They're often the heads of their department, if not their company. They don't want other women to know they're weak. Right. That's why I don't have any testimonials on my website mm-hmm. because all of them would be like, I don't want anyone to know right. that that I work with you. Mm-hmm. Like they've even been amazing about being references, but like referrals have mm-hmm. been really hard to generate. Mm-hmm. I mean, almost all my clients have said, if anyone is on the fence about working with you, just send them my way. Mm-hmm. But like they really actively do not want people to know that they are burnt out. Right. And then what's interesting when it comes down to these like moments where communication is breaking down and we're feeling kind of punched in, one of the things that we've had to look at is, and again, easier for me to say from the outside looking in, okay, we've been working together for a few months now because you are burnt out and we are painfully step-by-step reversing that burnout so that your energy is coming up. Mm-hmm. Do you want to spend your energy in this way or that way? Mm-hmm. And so I feel like constantly doing that, that balancing act, and you see how much energy like these situations generate, either in the conflict itself and not having the tools to be able to fix that conflict in the mm-hmm. moment, or then also festering on it, like right. wishing, because how many times... I know there are moments in my life that I think I wish I had the skills I have now Mm -hmm. to solve that situation that I had 20 years ago and just think, wow, that would have been so much better for me professionally, you know, instead Mm -hmm. of blowing up on my three male colleagues that I commuted with constantly that would talk about, you know, what piece of this or that they tagged over a weekend, Mm -hmm. like on our commutes. I'm sure like the tools I have now would have helped me not 
yell at them in the car right. <laughs> after many months of that. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, and and we do we take it out on the wrong person thing, you know, whatever it is. And and I, I keep coming back to, you know, in many ways, especially my generation, you know, and, and you know, you talk about dealing with, you know, executive high powered women, they're probably my generation, you know, just demographically, for the most part, we're going to be more of that age because we have to, you know, most men CEOs, you know, in, for the majority are, you know, in their 50s, you know, all those various things. And, mm-hmm. and it's funny, I was just looking it up here on, on the Google. Um, oh, the Google. The Google. And she told me that, and, and we were laughing about this before, my mother has decided <laughs> Google is a female. We love this. We think this is so much fun. Um, but, it, and this was in 1978, so this predates you, my darling. There was a no. I was here. You were I was here? one, but you I was, was here. Okay, okay. Well, you weren't paying attention to this commercial. <laughs> no. Um, and so it was this woman, and she was singing, and she said, "I can bring home the bacon, fry it up in the pan, and never, ever, ever let you forget you're a man." And I mean, that was let's see. I would have been in an elementary school. No, I would have been in high school when that came out. So I mean, that really was what we were taught was that you did everything. You know, you bring home the bacon. So hello, you're off earning money. Fry it up in the pan. So you're doing everything, you know, you're doing on the home front, on the home front. And you're still making your man feel like he's the most important thing in the world. Um, so that's, that is what we were brought up with was we absolutely had to do everything and had to do it at the you know, it, with absolute perfection. We couldn't let the bacon burn. We couldn't order out for pizza. We couldn't tell the, you know, our partner, I'm sorry, I'm tired. Um, you know, we <laughs> had to do all of those things. What's interesting to me, as you talk about this commercial, it makes me want to like Google the Calgon take me away ads. Because yes. like how um, many, it, it only had to be a few years later before right. it was like, Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, that didn't work because now yeah. we need Calgon to take uh, us away. Yeah, you know, and and you know all these various things, and and it's funny how you know, we we mentioned earlier the millennials who were taught by us, you know, by by not by not you because you're younger than me, but by my generation, we lived through this and we went, uh, uh-uh, uh, no, we don't want our daughters to have to do this, and and maybe that is why when we look at millennials, that and and especially females. They don't put up with a lot of it <clears throat> that we put up with, um, you know, and, and, or they don't even, it's not that they don't put up with it. It, it just doesn't exist for them. And, you know, and, and I love that, you know, that is, is, I, you know, I mentioned, I like working with millennials. I've interviewed some of the most cool millennials in the world for my program. And so when people go, oh, millennials, I'm like, well, you just don't know the right ones, um, you know, and, and, um, but yeah, it's, it is something that we were taught. We had to be absolutely perfect. Oh, yeah. I mean, perfectionism was something I know I personally dealt with. And Mm -hmm. I think because of that, and it sort of having its place as a lesson in me kind of, I always joke that I'm a recovering type A. Uh Like I'm a very like structured and organized thinker. I I like to dot I's and cross T's Mm -hmm. and have things be just so. But I think there's a way to be doing that without letting it consume you. Right. Well, and that, I think, has led to this very cool project that you have done. And we talked about this before when we had you on before, but I love this. And it's the 33K Task List Project. Um, And I've changed stuff since you and I chatted last. So that's why I'm so excited about talking about this. But tell us a little bit more about this project. So... After years of private conversations, I joke that I'm a tiny person, but I'm going to go to my grave with literally 10,000 megatons of people's secrets. Mm -hmm. I was noticing trends in, in all of these private conversations, and I was also seeing how much the tiny little scrap of paper sometimes, literally sometimes it's written on a scrap of paper, Mm -hmm. a task or to-do list has over how we we function and interact with the world. Right. And it's something that I've just gotten increasingly curious about. And mm-hmm. if I back up, my love of productivity, I was probably in middle school and I had I'm an avid reader and I always have been as mm-hmm. an only child. So, of course, by the end of summer I had devoured the entire reading list that had been mm-hmm. assigned. 
And then I was just left with whatever books were hanging around the house. And my mm-hmm. mom was a working mom and mm-hmm. would come home with all of these books on. I laugh now. There was a spiral bound book on assertive communication that mm-hmm. I dug into, which probably says a lot. You know, right. it, it comes out years later. Mm-hmm. But also, I was fascinated with productivity. So whenever she brought home any books around that kind of stuff, I just was so enthralled. Mm-hmm. And that and Michael Hammer's re-engineering the, what was it? Re-engineering the corporation? Right. I think that was what it was called. Mm-hmm. So I can see how I came to this work just by like the, that summer of reading, I think. But it was also when I first got a Franklin planner. And that was mm-hmm. even before Covey got up in, in that. Mm-hmm. So by junior high, I showed up at the first day of school with a leather bound Franklin planner and my Schaefer calligraphy pen in hot pink or peacock blue. Mm-hmm. And I was all about goals for the mm-hmm. year. Um, I feel like I wonder if I was sort of like that character Reese Witherspoon plays in election. Right. I think I was a little less uptight and probably mm-hmm. a little more funny, but mm-hmm. probably not far off the mark. Mm-hmm. So I have had a long obsession with task lists mm-hmm. and also apparently calligraphy and handwriting. And all of this kind of combined, as I was listening to these conversations and hearing one of the big drivers of sleep dysfunction, besides hormonal and physiological things that we can you know, shift, timing of meals, consumption of sugar, things like that. Mm-hmm waking up in the middle of the night and just festering over a task list was something I was hearing an awful lot about. Mm -hmm. I was also hearing or watching or witnessing in some way women's identity bounce up and down based on how many checks were on that list or Mm -hmm. how many things got scratched off that day. Mm -hmm. And I think for a long time, I was just like, I don't know how this is going to come together, but I'm really fascinated with this. Mm-hmm. And then I saw an art exhibit at, at Mass Mocha in Western Massachusetts, where inside a, a you know the glass cases that you can walk around, mm-hmm. someone had collected a bunch of random articles found in library books. And so, of course, there were a lot of notes and a shopping list Mm -hmm. and, you know, a a receipt for something. And then it clicked for me. Wait a minute. I could collect task lists. Mm -hmm. And that idea just kind of sat there for a long time. I'm Mm -hmm. a slow percolator when it comes to these creative projects sometimes. But it kept coming back to me. Like, Mm -hmm. you could collect these lists and do something. Mm -hmm. And so my goal, the, my mission outside of, of, my, of my client work and recording a podcast mm-hmm. is to collect 33,000 handwritten task lists from women around the globe to eventually transform them into art. Mm-hmm. But I think it's really important to also see what lessons we can mine from them mm-hmm. and how we can shift how we think about the obligatory things that we do in life versus the things we really deeply desire doing. Right. And it's funny because when you and I talked about this before, I don't remember if, if I shared this, I was one of those sticky note people. You know, I, I didn't really do lists, but I would put, you know, put something on a sticky note and then, you know, maybe find the sticky note, maybe actually know what it meant, you know, all these various things. And after talking with you, I started thinking about lists. And part of it is because I have had multiple surgeries in the last couple of years. And and every time I go under anesthesia, my little brain shorts out a little bit more. And so I forget things. So I started thinking, okay, twit, you've got to start writing stuff down. So I started making a list. And and really, I did it, I I, honest to God, did it with the the thought of, at some point, I will send Kara some of my lists. I mean, I really did. Yay. Have I done that? No. Um, (laughs) You're not alone. I know, I know. You know, I need to put on my task list, send to Kara. See, that's that's one of the things. That is exactly what people listening need to do right right. now. Yes. You know, and and so I started thinking and researching lists. and, And, you know, you mentioned one of the things is handwritten task lists. And one of the things that I've learned, you know, since talking with you is that when we handwrite, 
you know, so not typey, typey, typey. When we get the pen, the pencil, the, you know, the whatever and write it down, it's a different process in our brain. We remember it differently, you know, all these various things. And so what I've eventually done was I've created a weekly planner. It's just a one page thing that I've, I've gotten and, and I'm going to read from it here. So it's, it's got a weekly planner and then it says week of. So I sit down Sunday or Monday and I, and I do this. And so it's got two columns. So the first column says objectives for the month and then this week's projects and notes and, and, you know, and, and then fill in the blank, you know, because I'm, I'm visual. So I have to have, you know, little places and little places, of course, where I can check stuff off. Oh, the all holy check mark. I know, the check mark or the X, you know, or the, oh my gosh, we're just going to cross this thing off. Um, and then on the other column, it, there's Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And so then, and again, you know, little spaces where I can fill in and, and write down. And so, and I've been tinkering with this for a while, you know, changing the formats, changing what I want to do, all these various things. And it's kind of funny, you know, seeing how many things carry over from week to week and never got the, the you know, almighty check mark. Um, and, but for one thing, it has helped me focus. It really has made me think, okay, I need to do this on Tuesday, you know, and, and it's okay. I mean, you know, there are things that have to be done on Tuesday, but may, if it doesn't, you know, if something else doesn't get done until Tuesday and gets moved to Wednesday, well, that's okay too. Um, but then I started going back and filling stuff in, you know, oh, well, on Monday, here's what I actually did. And so I, I, maybe that's, you know, the, the person in me that absolutely hated when I worked for a company where I had to do time cards and, and account for every 10 minutes Yay. of my time. Oh my God, I hated that. I had because to do I it in six minute increments when you file with a bankruptcy yes, court. I know. You know, and, 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 you know, and the worst part is you're thinking, where did I lose a whole bunch of time, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so I started going back and filling stuff in. Partially just to kind of see what the heck it is that I do. How am I structuring my day? You know, where am I getting lost? Where am I getting sidetracked? Um, now, you know, I'm I'm not putting on their nap. <laughs> you know, I don't, exactly. I don't know but I have, which are also important. Right. Yes. Oh yeah, I try and, and nap. You know, uh, virtually every day. I or at least relax for a little bit. Um, but having these lists. It has re and and I am type A. I mean, I'm you know I'll raise my hand. I admit it. You know, I'm one of those people that you know I, I hate to tell somebody no, and even worse, I can't delegate because there's only one way to do it, and it's my way. <laughs> um, you know, and now that I've I've gotten to where I've gotten you know for the most part to where I can let go of it and realize okay, it, it might be done differently, but that's okay. You know, and and so I can let stuff go and and do those things, but writing it down has made a big difference. Now, part of it is, yes, because it's just making me keep track and, and, you know, do all of these things. Because I am one of those people that, you know, in the middle of the night, I'll think, oh my God, I got to do such and such tomorrow. Now, no, I don't get up and write it down on my list. But, you know, keeping track and writing stuff down has made a difference on my work and, and how it's flowing through my day. Absolutely. I, I can believe this. Just also seeing everything in front of you. Mm -hmm sort of quells the chaos is what I'm finding for a lot mm -hmm. of people. And it's, it's interesting because I'm sort of a split. And I think this always kind of shocks people. The project is really geared towards handwritten task list. Mm -hmm. I probably run, I call my task list kind of my digital brain. Mm -hmm. I am all about when I think of something I need to do, it gets punched into a digital task list. So right. I use a, a product called Remember the Milk. Oh, okay. And I can, I can tag things. I can date them. I can set a priority. Mm -hmm. I, like literally you can set tags even by location. Mm -hmm. So is this something that I need to do on my next trip into New York City? Is this something that I do local here in the Catskills? Is this something I need to remember to do when I'm visiting, you know, any family members? Like mm -hmm. I can tag it that way. Um, and that's how I think. Like, I'm a, a data right. person. You were a CPA, you know. There's, I there's was a that. CPA. Mm -hmm. And most of the work that I did was re-engineering processes, like mm -hmm. coming into a painful, broken, chaotic situation mm -hmm. and figuring out what ends up by observing, by interviewing, by asking questions, by collecting data, by studying things, and then figuring out a way to fix it, mm -hmm. which... I was recently introduced in the last, I don't know, year or so to design thinking. Mm. And I was talking to a friend and they were like, how do you describe you work with clients? Have you ever heard of 
human-centered design or design thinking. Mm -hmm. And I was like, what is that? And Mm -hmm. that has sent me down a rabbit hole that Ah. we could probably talk about. Uh But in terms of the, the lists, you know, I still find, despite being that digitally focused, there are still days, most days, mm-hmm. that I pick two to three things and I don't want to see the other, you know, 972 things that are up for debate in terms of prioritization. I just want to see the two or three things that I need to get done this this day. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of times I'll pull out a post-it and you know, write those things down, Mm -hmm. stick it to my computer, and I'm not allowed to go past go or collect $200 until these two or three things are done. Mm -hmm. Right. You know, and and it's funny because we all tend to, you know, make notes. Now, my husband, holy schmoly, that man makes lists like you would not believe. Um, He even, I love this, you know, he, he, on his list, he will write, drive home. I'm thinking, really? You didn't, you know... (laughs) Yeah. The teleporter's not right, working. Right. You know, tinka, and, tinka, tea yeah. didn't get but you that's, home. That's part of his time management because it's like, okay, I've got this many hours. It's going to take me, you know, 20 minutes to drive home, whatever. And so he's he just breaks it out that way. I don't, I'm not nearly that, you know, that consumed with it. But it, you know, the lists really help me focus. And, and it's funny because as I said, you know, the one that I've created, I keep fine tuning, you know, and, and adding, like I added the field for notes because it was like, okay, there's other things that I need to remember to do, but they don't need to go in a certain place or, you know, so it's a memory jogger. I, right now I'm looking at my list, you know, it's right here in front of me. It's on a clipboard. Oh, nice. Um, I know, you know, because. You how know, how um, producer I, directorial. I know I am, but it's still, <laughs> you'll, you'll love it. It still has a sticky note stuck to it. Um, <laughs> No, and, and those are task lists. Right. I think like mm-hmm. some people have been like, well, I just I just write one thing on a sticky mm-hmm. note. But if you have 10 of those, that's a list. Right. Just because yeah. it's not on the same physical piece <laughs> of paper, it's a list. You mm-hmm. wrote it down mm-hmm. to remember to do it later. Right. And instead of the almighty check mark, it's called the trash can. You take the sticky <laughs> note off and you throw it away. No, You're, Deb, no. Send it to Kara. <laughs> <laughs> Don't tell me this. My heart is breaking. I know, I know. Well, actually, so all my my tasks, my you know this this fancy little list that I have created, I'm keeping them now. You know, yes, I will send you one, and so it's easy. I can just make a photocopy, and I'll send you the original. Thank and, you. And keep the copy, but part of that is is like I said to look back and remember. Okay, this is when I did this, um, and I'm writing obvious things on there. I mean, like. This interview is written down here for Wednesday, you know, the day that we're recording this, partially because of the, you know, d- the time management thing. It's like, okay, well, I know I've got two interviews today, so that's, you know, three hours worth of my time altogether and yada, yada, yada. And so then I, I work around it. But, you know, it's, we, we all have these lists and, you know, people who use Evernote, you know, all these various things, you know, we're, we're keeping these lists they can't send you an Evernote list. Um, you know, it has to be something that is written down. So how many, you, know, you mentioned your goal is 33,000. How many have you received so far? So right now it's 1,081 as mm-hmm. of today because okay. I figured you would ask, so I checked. So it's 1,081 <laughs> as of today. How many countries? Right now, mm-hmm. 27 states in the United States mm-hmm. and seven other countries. Cool. So it's spread in mm-hmm. in this weird little way. Right. Um, well, now, and I want to mention, I actually didn't mention this to you before the start of the program, about 30% of my downloads for our, our program come from outside the United States. So wow. for, you, for you, those of you who are not in the United States, you are supposed to be sending your lists also. Yes. And I know right now this is a completely self-funded project because mm-hmm. this is an extracurricular for me, mm-hmm. right? And I understand the postage can be a real speed bump for people. And this is something I get a lot of pushback. Mm-hmm. And I'm investigating, like, I, I, I have no idea how to even to begin interfacing in the world of art grants. It's mm-hmm. something so outside my purview. So mm-hmm. it's taking me some time, but it is definitely on my list right? in terms of, of pieces mm-hmm. of the project. But if there are people listening that are in other countries and the postage is really a significant barrier and you are willing to help gather a a big old envelope of task lists. Go to your friends. Yes. Like if you you have a stash of task lists and the postage really is a barrier, please reach out to me. Mm -hmm. You can 
there's a contact form on my website. You can go to 33ktasklist.com and check it out. But I'm, I'm happy to have those conversations mm-hmm. and I'm really trying to work on that speed bump because that right. just seems like such a, a huge mm-hmm. barrier to collection. Right. But I think those handwritten lists are so important. Mm-hmm. There's just such energy in them. Like it's a different feeling Mm -hmm. and I've, I've done this, right? Like Mm -hmm. I feel like kind of Marie Kondo cleaning house, but Mm -hmm. holding a task list that someone has written and that has, you know, whatever glass of wine or like Mm -hmm. red colored beverage they've spilled on it in a coffee ring shape or, and then holding a printout Mm -hmm. of a digital task list. Mm -hmm. You feel the difference Mm -hmm. and knowing that the ultimate goal of this is to be art Mm -hmm. and to see how different people do it. Like it would be a very boring exhibit to walk into and just see a bunch of Evernote lists printed. Mm Mm-hmm. And I love Evernote. Just Sorry, scan, Evernote. Yeah. <laughs> you know, even if they just scanned their stuff, it's still not the original. Um, you know, because yeah, it gets it gets dog-eared. You know, you doodle on it. I I worked with a gentleman. Crumpled. Yeah. She, yeah. Some look like they've been eaten by a small child or dog. <laughs> or a corner torn off because they needed to throw out a piece <laughs> of gum or or whatever. Um, you know, and then of course you have the people now. I'm I am not artistic. Not in any way. I mean, that's why my little thing has, you know, bars and graphs and all these various things. I worked with a man who, this man was an artist. I mean, truly an artist. And he would do task lists, but then he doodled on them throughout the week. And oh my God. Or he's a kinesthetic learner. Right. He's an artist or a kinesthetic learner. Yes. You know, they truly were works of art. Um, Now, frequently he would have to like destroy them because sometimes (laughs) his his little brain process went to a place where, you know, he might be writing, you know, drawing something that you didn't want the world to see. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, that is part of that is capturing what someone is thinking about as they're writing this, and 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 I can't wait to you know keep this conversation going with you to find out more. Um, so for now, though, how do people get their task lists to you? And again, folks, this is not email. This is not scan them. This is take them and put them in the little envelope and go find a stamp and you know do all those things that we don't do anymore. But how do you how do people submit their task lists to you? So the first step is putting the words send task list to hashtag 33ktasklists.com. Okay, wait a minute, wait a minute. I'm going to write it down on here on my list, Sam. I'm writing it down on Friday to, to do that. And, and I will send you this one so that way you see that that's what I have done. Yay. <laughs> and if it's easier, you know, just, or what else has been helpful from people that have contributed so far that they've relayed to me is just address an envelope to Kara mm-hmm. Snyder. S-N-Y-D-E-R, and P.O. Box 453, and that's in Hurley, H-U-R-L-E-Y, New York, Mm -hmm. 12443. Mm -hmm. What people have done is have the envelope all addressed, and then as they finish lists, they just stuff them in until it's time to close up the envelope and then just mail it off. Cool. I love it. You know, and, and like we said, you know, if you're like me, you've got a sticky note stuck on there. I will send it to you. It will still have the sticky note stuck on there. Um, all these various things. But it's so much fun. But I would imagine when, you know, as you said, you know, you're getting these and, and you know, you're feeling them, all these things. But reading what people write down has got to be absolutely fascinating. Yeah. And I'm really trying to separate myself from from who they come from. Like I sort of delight in the anonymous ones sometimes, mm-hmm. right. or maybe people can send me a note where they're from, but they don't have to put their name or anything like that. Mm-hmm. It's been really great to see like how interesting, like everyone's approach to it are so different. Mm-hmm. Some people have really like proactive, like the, the desire drenched things. Mm-hmm. And then other people, it's like purely perfunctory stuff that they've got to get done. Mm-hmm. The obligations and the stuff that we just need to check off. Mm-hmm. If people want to get a chance to also see what's coming in, they can check out Vital Core on Facebook or mm-hmm. Vital Core, V-I-T-A-L-C-O-R-P-S on Instagram. Mm-hmm. And I'm posting as stuff comes in and, you know, trying to obscure if there's any sensitive information like a phone number. Right. Mm-hmm. And if people have any questions about how to send them or what I mean by a task list or can they send it anonymously or 
Can they just black out a phone number or a name if they need to? What I'm going to be doing with all of these questions and, and FAQs can be found at 33ktasklists.com. And if they have any questions that aren't answered, they can also like just drop me a note through the contact form and I'm happy okay. to answer any questions. I love it. Well, now, if they want to work with you on the other thing that you do, you know, those pay the bills type of thing, how do they reach you? So they can go to vitalcorewellness.com. And, and, you know, those of us who didn't take French, core actually has an S in it. So it's core. Yes. (laughs) Yes. I love when I get introduced as a health and lifestyle strategist at a speaking event Mm -hmm. and they read my bio and they say that I work for Vital Corps. That (laughs) endlessly cracks me up. I know. The education system sometimes, you know, we're just not always on task. Well, Kara, oh my gosh, we have filled up the hour again. And I think we need to chat at least once a year so that you can keep us posted on how many tasks lists you've gotten. Talking with you really is just such a delight. Um, And especially for women who are stressed, who are thinking, okay, really, there's not 28 hours in my day. How do I survive? Um, you know, I encourage people to, to reach out and, and contact you. I'm Deb Creer. As I said, I've been having a great time talking with Kara Martin-Snyder. And until next time, everyone have a great day. Thanks for listening to the Business Power Hour, hosted by Deb Creer. Join us next time for more real-life stories and techniques to power up your business. You've been listening to C-Suite Radio. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.